What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome to our podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris and Uriah here. We are recording January 2nd, so guys, hopefully you guys didn't go party too hard for New Year's. I certainly didn't. I was in bed by 1030. Um, but did you guys have any, any New Year's resolutions that you guys want to share with our listeners? Not really. Frankly, I didn't I didn't write any down or anything, but I, I had a good New Year's. Um, how about you, Uriah? I watched Cobra Kai and then watched the ball drop and went to bed. As far as resolutions, my goal this year is to be more organized. I just want to be a little bit more ahead of things um, throughout the year. What about you, Lucas? Um, first off, for those that don't follow Uriah on Twitter, you, you you should because his love for Cobra Kai is second to none. You you root for all the characters, right, Uriah? I actually I do. Um, mm-hmm. I actually saw the original. That's all him. The original Karate Kid back in '84, and uh, I think it was before Chris was born. But it's a lot. Yeah, of it was this... before I was born. Well, I was born in '92. All right, you're making it worse. Anyway, so. <laughs> The show has a lot of nostalgia, and what I'll say is if you haven't watched Cobra Kai, you don't know what you're missing. There's a lot of great ironies. Not oh, I, best, I've seen I know. Not the best acting, but it's it's funny. It has some really funny moments. Yeah, for sure. I will say, I, I've seen the first two episodes and the last two episodes so far. And Why? A few chunks in between, because my family's been watching it. I haven't been. But anyways, it seems like they should all be in jail, but... <laughs> That's where I'm at with it. They've all committed pretty egregious acts of violence, but that's okay. Well, wait till you see the end of this season because it's oh uh, no, I, the the tournament thing. I probably shouldn't yeah, spoil it. Yeah, don't yeah don't spoil yeah, don't it. don't spoil it for me. I've only gotten to the point where like he woke up from the coma. Okay. Yeah. Well. That, yeah. That's that's where I'm at. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, uh, for me, let's see. New Year's Eve, I didn't do much. I hung out with my uh. Longtime buddy John Hale, shout out John Hale. Uh, we went to Grotto's Pizza in Rehoboth Beach. For those uh, people in Philly, you've been to Delaware, you know where Rehoboth is. Um, so we we hung out a little bit there, and then I became an old man and just decided to fall asleep because I had to drive back from Delaware to Virginia the next day. But New Year's resolutions, I think, just. Not settling for less than what I know I'm worth in terms of like work, in terms of 
friendships, relationships, all that, all that stuff. Not settling. That's a good one. That's a That's really good. good one. Yeah. But enough about that. Now we're, we're, we're here for basketball guys. And there was a really exciting Sixers game that I think Chris is just going to jump into us for right, Chris. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that game. That was the Brooklyn game. Of course, it was a one ten to one Oh two road victory for Philadelphia. We got to see Joel wave the nets and Kevin Durant more specifically off the court after KD did the same to them a few weeks ago. Um, and beat had 34 on the night. Tyrese Maxey had 25, um, hit five of eight from three point range, 17 for Seth Curry. Lucas for you, what were some of your big takeaways? Well, the biggest, and we'll talk about this more later, but the, the chemistry between Maxey and Embiid is growing because not only has this been their best game as a duo, because they've had great individual games, but not both at the same time. This is the first that this has happened. They combined for what? 59 points and on really efficient shooting. And then not only that, Maxi was learning. You know, we talked about how Maxi has to learn to play with Joel. He was doing that. He was moving off the ball. He was creating stuff off the ball. He was helping Joel post up. There was a sequence where Joel got, he passed the ball to Joel in the paint. He didn't have a good position. So Joel passed it back out. He allowed Joel to get better position. And then he got the ball back to Joel again. And that type of small stuff makes a big difference. And one thing that we forgot to mention, Maxi didn't have any turnovers that night either. And he's a low turnover guy and he had he only had four assists, but 25 points on 18 shots. Chris, to have zero turnovers is I don't think that part of his game is talked about enough when we can talk about how sometimes he doesn't take enough risks and fair enough. But he's a smart player when it comes to making good decisions, you know, not making a bad decision with the ball. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. This was probably the best combined effort from Embiid and Maxi this season. Um, you know, this was the last win of 2021, the last game of 2021. They only have a few games in the next couple of weeks. They have a very spaced out schedule here coming up, um, which is a good thing, if a bit strange, and I don't really know why that's the case. Um, but this is important momentum to build. They've won three in a row now. They're 19-16. They're right on that razor's edge with Cleveland. Like, they can still catch the Cavs and the Heat and some of those teams ahead of them. There's mm-hmm. still time, plenty of time to do that. We're not even quite halfway through the season. So it's important to get big ones like this. The Nets are obviously the best team in the East right now. James Harden and Kevin Durant both played really well. James Harden's been kicking back into gear. Kevin Durant, some would say, is the MVP favorite right up there with Steph. Um like that that's a really good team with some really good players and Joel went toe to toe with both of them. Maxi did his thing, Seth did his thing and the Sixers got a pretty big win. So just just, just to, to piggyback off that Harden Durant, yeah, they they dominated this game. They had a combined 66 points, 20 rebounds and 14 assists. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. That it's that's insane and the Sixers still came out with a win. Granted, the they clearly did not have much help otherwise, but like, um, and I think one thing that we we have to mention here, one name that we didn't mention as the positives here, Chris, is Tobias Harris. He's kind of on a skid right now in terms of his shooting. Uh, four fourteen from the field, nine points, six rebounds, six assists. Any thoughts on Tobias? Um, I mean, 
it's been kind of like that kind of year for Tobias. Um, uh, yeah, really not much to add. Um, I he's had some better games of late. I think he's trending in the right direction. Um, Brooklyn is a uh, probably one of the tougher matchups for him just because he has to handle probably a pretty difficult defensive assignment and then he has Kevin Durant covering him on offense too yeah you know who's like seven foot and you know nothing but arms yeah like like Brooklyn's generally not not as bad defensively as they are often talked about so I, I I I cut Tobias some slack I I think we all know he's a flawed player I don't think we expect him to just be you know, an ace every game, but mm-hmm. I'm not too worried about it. I think he's going in the right direction. Um, so One little shout out here. I know Uriah's happy because he has Andre Drummond on his fantasy team and he had a double-double, 10 points, 10 rebounds in just 16 minutes. Plan your work and work your plan. For many athletes, saying such as this could be considered scripture permanent signposts lining the long road to success in sports. For some, the very act of pursuing a career in sports can give a sense of control, a sense of safety, so long as you stick to the plan. That is until life happens, the kind of life that happens while you're making other plans. Breakdowns, insecurity, panic attacks, PTSD, addiction, sudden life changes. Ones that require an athlete to toss aside their well-laid plans and answer the question, what's your next play? Blindsided is a podcast about sports, mental health, and life. Hosted by former NHL goalie Corey Hirsch and psychiatrist Dr. Diane McIntosh, the podcast will share and analyze the moments for a variety of athletes when everything changed for them and what happened when it did. The podcast lets listeners hear these athletes Describe moments when mental health became the most important focus in their lives. Blindsided then dives in deeper. It gets clinical, and it allows listeners to leave with an understanding of the different varieties of mental health challenges people face, why they appear, and how athletes in particular face them down. Blindsided is a podcast not only for people who follow sports, but also for those who don't. And now, back to the Sixer Sense. Yeah, someone tried to pry him away from me, but with Joel kind of not being completely reliable, I was like, let me keep keep uh, drumming. Just I, I wonder who that could have been. Huh. I who was it, Chris? I don't no, 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 no. I know who it was. It was, was me. It you? Yeah. Oh. I tried to I'm trade sorry. you uh, two centers for him. I think it was uh, Mitchell Robinson and the uh, oh, yeah. one of the guys from Sacramento. I know I was able to swipe... <laughs> Cam Johnson from Chris. Look, you just yeah. got to be where I have Clay Thompson just ready to come in ripping. So, well, uh, just beware. I have Cam Johnson certainly didn't help you enough this week, Lucas. No, no, no. What what really <laughs> screwed me uh, for those that are listening? I'm playing Chris in fantasy, and he's beating me. And the reason why is because I forgot to set my lineups on Monday and Tuesday. Oh, right. I don't think it would have helped, but I, I think it would have. Okay. But you know, anyway. Um, I've heard that excuse a lot lately. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not but my fault. Cr- question, Chris: Who made the football playoffs? Was was it me or you? Uh, it was you. Okay, we had then. the same record though, and I would have beaten you if we had. But it's okay. Anyways, let's <laughs> talk about um, Embiid and Durant. Obviously, as I said, they exchanged 
some waves. Um, Embiid waved him off his own home court in this game. Um, Durant did the same thing when Philly played Brooklyn a couple weeks ago and Brooklyn won. Um, what were your thoughts about the banter between those two, Lucas, and how exciting in your mind would a Sixers-Nets conference finals be? Well, it's Joel just being uh, – let me not call him Joel. Let me call him troll because, you know, he's probably one of the best in the NBA at it. Um, that was just Joel B. Troll doing Troll things. Um, and they both said after the game that it was uh, no no animosity. It's mutual respect between the two of them. It was all in good fun. I'm not, you know, so that's fun. But, you know, KD is one of those, like, it's because, like, KD made a, uh, you know, a burner Twitter account, like, you know, the famous, infamous Jerry Clan, uh, not Jerry, Brian Colangelo. And but like, you know, to like troll with fans. So we know <laughs> KD can do it. So it's it's fun. And they're clearly the leader of their teams in yeah. regard to an Eastern Conference final. The only way that happens is if the Bucks and the Nets play each other in the second round and the Sixers get extremely lucky, kind of like last year, only that we don't cough. We would not cough. We don't choke against the Hawks. Um is there a world in which it happens? Sure. Is it likely? It depends on what we get back for Ben, if Ben gets traded. I mean, would it be fun? Yeah, it would be fun. It would. It, it, it's one of those classic rivalries, and that's Sixers. You know, there's the Dr. J connection there, too. You know, Dudley and Ben Simmons. Oh, (laughs) but let's look at that for a second. Let's think about that. Jared Dudley told us exactly what was going on with Ben, but did we listen to him at the time? No. Should we have? Probably. Jared Dudley had it on the mark. Jared Dudley did have the best comeback. Actually, I'm sorry. Ben Simmons had the best comeback when he was like, Jared Dudley. (laughs) <laughs> which is true he he's the assistant coach for the dallas mavericks right now is he yeah yeah he is precisely mm. um yeah look i mean i'm with you lucas i'm skeptical that we would get to the point of a sixers nets eastern conference finals um it does depend on what happens with ben i think that's really what this entire season hinges on at this point i think the sixers are a good but not great team as currently built um, I mean, anything can happen with injuries, with COVID, with Joel on your team. Like, the Sixers certainly have a chance to be in that, like, mid to upper tier of the East. I, I, there. Yeah. I, and not to interrupt, not to cut you off, but I'll just say this. Team currently has constructed probably a first-round exit. Ceiling is a second-round exit. Yeah, and, like, if the seeding falls in some funky way where the Bucks are, like, the four seed and the Sixers are the three or the six seed, like, then, sure, they could get there. Like, I think the Sixers can hang with the Bulls in a seven-game series. But, yeah, look, it would be fun for the Sixers to get to that point, even if I'm not super confident that they will. Um, I, I don't think I'm, I would pick the Sixers to win that series. I think Brooklyn's a pretty clear favorite in the conference right now, as long as, you know, health permitting, but yeah, I, I mean, Philly's a good team. Joel Embiid's a great player and seeing him go toe to toe with Kevin Durant and James Harden and Kyrie Irving for half a series 
would be fun. There's no denying. Half a series. I'm sorry. That just... I, I got to call out that because that's that's compromising your principles and morals. I'm sorry. That That's... No, I don't have... I lost a little bit of respect for that organization when they chose to bring him back part-time. Yeah, it's it's a bit strange. We're going to talk about uh, Doc Rivers being out in the COVID protocols. And as a result, both him and Sam Cassell are out. So as a result, Dan Burke, the defensive coordinator. Gosh, I feel like I'm talking about football when I say that. But the defensive coach for the Sixers, uh, he took over as the interim head coach in the meantime. You know, the Sixers got that win under him, which is his first win as an interim head coach. So good on uh, Burke. You know, a couple players had several things to say about Coach Burke, and this is what Andre Drummond had to say, Chris. He said, he gave us everything we needed to be great tonight and successful. Matisse Thibel followed it up when when he said this. When you have a coach that who really believes in what they're saying and they trust their knowledge of the game, no matter what, it has it has a way of rubbing off on players. So, Chris, with those two statements, how do we feel about Dan Burke stepping in and coaching the Sixers until Doc Rivers returns? And how much credit does he deserve for that win against Brooklyn? Uh, I mean, I feel good for Dan Burke. It was cool to see him, you know, get the water shower and stuff after the game. Um, he's a guy who's been in the league for multiple decades now. He's in Indiana for like 20 years, so he's been at it for a while. Um. You know, I, I don't think there's a lot, like, big picture-wise that we can take away from it. He's still running Doc's system. These players are still running what they know. It's not like he's came in and meaningfully changed anything or that the Sixers wouldn't have gotten this win if it was Doc. You know, I don't, I don't think any of that would be fair to say. But it, it's a nice moment for Dan Burke. I, you know, I, I really think that's what it boils down to. Um, so does he deserve credit for the win in Brooklyn? Like, sure, he was on the bench making calls, running the show, and it can be hard to step in after when you're like the third, fourth guy off the bench as a coach to just suddenly be thrust into that lead role and to have to make like, – I'm sure that was tough, and I'm sure he deserves a lot of credit. Um, but, like, big picture-wise, it, it's really not that much more than a nice moment. Um, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I, I'm I'm on the same page there, Chris. I I mean, it was a nice moment. Good for Dan. Um, you know, maybe this helps him get a head coaching gig down the road. Um, especially if this is for a prolonged period of time. It depends on how long uh, Doc is out. You know, hopefully no longer than the ten. Of, is it ten or five days now? Is it just the change for the players or is it change for the coach as well? I would assume it's for everyone. Okay, so maybe only five days. We'll have to wait and see on that. But, um, I mean, it was great to see for sure. I, I, I'm I, okay with him stepping in. He's been He's earned his stripes. He's earned the chance to do this. Nobody else on that bench really is qualified. Dave Yeager still out getting cancer treatment, so he's not available. Sam Cassell, as we already said, he... He's in protocols as well, so he doesn't have the chance to do it. So it falls to Burke, and he, you know, you know, he needs to make the most. I, I think he'll make the most of this opportunity. He has the star power to do so, so why not? Let's talk 
A bit more now about Embiid and Maxi. Again, they combined for 59 total points in the Brooklyn game. Lucas, if Maxi can keep up this level of play, again, 5 of 8 from 3 in that game, which I think is the most notable stat of all, how high is the potential of this duo long-term, um, and what are your expectations for the rest of the season? That's that's a tough one, Chris. Um, you know, I wrote about what the potential of this duo could be is both of them playing at an all-star level. And we definitely saw them both have an all-star worthy level game against the Brooklyn Nets. Um, we've seen this in spurts with Maxi throughout the season, granted most of the time when Joel was not sharing the court. And I already talked earlier in the podcast how, you know, Maxi's adjusting his game accordingly and it's, and it's working. And I don't think anybody should be surprised by that because the amount of work that this kid puts in is ridiculous. Um, you don't see young players work as hard as Tyrese Maxey, not usually. It's great to see. I think we'll continue seeing growth from Maxey. I, is this sustainable for the rest of the season? I can't answer that. My my head says no, but my gut says I really hope so. It's it's hard to say for certain, but um, this this duo can be th- this duo can make a second round, you know, in the playoffs definitely feasible and depending on how much more Maxi grows as a player throughout the season and uh, what happens with the, on the Ben Simmons end, like, you know, this could, I think this is important now that Maxi's getting these types of reps with Joel now, because if this becomes consistent, Chris, we would be talking about Maxi earning an all-star bid next season. If he can perform like this, the rest of this season, he's not going to get an all-star bid this year, but Chris, the type of production that he's doing, it's all-star worthy. When he's when he's on, he's on. And if he can do this consistently, he's going to be an all-star. Joel's already an all-star. And it makes things it changes. It's already changed the landscape. Maxi's play, even prior to this, has already changed the landscape of a Ben Simmons trade. Unless you're going for Damian Lillard, you don't go for a point guard anymore. There's no need to, because Maxi pretty much has a higher ceiling than most of the point guards you could trade for. Unless it's like a Malcolm Brogdon, but you can't do that until the offseason anyway. But like, it makes things interesting. And I can't wait for you to ask the next question here. Yeah. Um, and I know Uri is typing up other stuff. Uri, don't forget to put in Jokic and Murray too. Yeah, so... Yeah. Just to build off of that, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. Um, the potential is extremely high. Joel is already one of the top 10 players in the NBA, top five to some mm-hmm. people. When not many guys are impacting both sides of the ball like him. Maxi, I agree. Like As soon as next season is on the all-star radar, if he can keep it up, I, I think we're probably – going to see peaks and valleys like we have all season you know he's 20 years old still um he's gonna have games like this 21 but yes and he's gonna have games where he scores like 11 points and is just kind of out there and we're just gonna have to take the ups and the downs i regardless he's on route for would i think be indisputably considered a very successful second nba season for a guy who was averaging 15 minutes a night last year um so there's really not a lot of room to complain um, it's great. I agree that he's getting these trips and it's unfortunate that the whole Ben Simmons thing is played out like it has, but they clearly have like an X man up and they're going in a good direction. So I, I agree with all that. 
the next question, which you sort of alluded to, is could they become the best point guard center duo in the NBA? Lucas, I'll I'll let you answer that. Um, well, you know me. I love my centers. But here, here's who Uriah has down for the, the other combos that you put up there with Joel and Maxi: CP3 and DeAndre Aiden, okay. Kyle Lowry, uh, Bam Adebayo, and yeah, I said it like Kendrick Perkins on purpose. Um, Trey Young, Clint Capella, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray when Murray's uh, healthy, Brogdon Sabonis. Um, you can't really put Gobert in there because uh, I think Conley Gobert's on. Conley's on like maybe a top twenty point guard. I don't think he's a top ten point guard anymore. I mean, Conley's still like a top fifty player. Conley's really good. I don't know. Maybe uh, like, would, you, would, you put, would you put would you put would you put D Would you put D and Cat in there? Because Cat's a top five center. Yeah, like any of the top five centers and top five point guards, you could probably make a case. Well, um, probably not Curry and Looney. Yeah, but um, like, generally, but like, who would you rather build a team around? Curry and Looney, or Brogdon and Sabonis? I'm probably taking Steph and whoever the heck is center you know what i mean i mean I, I get that but i think we're talking about like overall talent between the two duos um okay let me rule out some of these guys right now i i think i think maxi and joel are better than cat and delo i i want to say they're probably better than conley and gobert Lowry's not in his prime anymore, so I'm going to say better than Lowry and Adebayo. And then it gets tricky. Then it gets tricky because CP3-8, it is the best pick-and-roll game in the NBA this season. I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but I remember listening, hearing it in a podcast that they have the highest points per possession on a pick-and-roll than any other player, uh, any other duo running the pick-and-roll. Uh, Trey Young... Fantastic offensive player, Clint Capella. Even though he's having a slight down year, he's still a defensive anchor. Was uh, Sabonis Brogdon? I would say they're probably going to be better. Yeah, I would say yeah, I would say they're better than uh, Brogdon and Sabonis. But I mean, it made me think about it for a second. They're probably better than Trey Young and Capella. The only ones that I can see there actually be an argument with here, Chris, is CP3 and Aiden. I I just. That is such a deadly combo. And then Jokic and Murray. And I mean, we know that when those two two are, you know, the engine is going with those two, they're they're almost unguardable. So Yeah. I think if Maxi hits his peak, they're probably the third best point guard center combo in the NBA. If he's at his peak. If he's yeah. not at his peak, then most of these combos are better. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the way to look at it. Like there's a pretty strong argument that Maxie's the worst player of all the names we just listed right now still. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Joel's probably the second best, first best to, to maybe you and you. But like, I, I think Jokic probably the best player on this list right now. And frankly, Murray's when healthy, pretty high on that list too. So I, I think right now the pretty obvious answer in my book is Jokic or Murray. Um, we haven't seen Murray since he tore his ACL, so that's a bit of a wild card, I guess. Mm-hmm. But Murray was sh- heading in the right direction. Let's just say that before he got hit. Oh, yeah. He, no, he probably player. would have been an all-star this year. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think you can make a strong case that it's like Joel and Maxi, even with in Maxi's current state. Right after that, just because of how good Joel is. Would, would you put them ahead of CP3 and Aiden, just knowing how lethal they are in the pick and roll? Yeah, I mean, probably not. I think that's the biggest argument would be between Joel and Tyrese and CP and Aiden, just because I, I think Jokic, Embiid, and CP are kind of. The only up upper tier players, yeah. Trey Young is getting there, and Brogdon is not Brogdon. Pardon me, Gobert is right there, but I I think those three are on a whole different plane. Two. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I would say I would I would have even. I would have Joel and Maxi third, CP three, Phoenix and Phoenix's duo, and Denver's duo ahead of them. I think that's that's the way you have to have it. I think. Yeah. Right now, I I think that's fair. I think I think Denver one, Phoenix two, Philly three is a good work place to start. Maybe like Utah four, Atlanta five, or some whatever you want to go after that. Yeah, I mean at that, at that there. point, yeah, there are tiers. If we're tiering, like I think Denver's probably on its own tier if Murray's Murray. And yeah, because then... like I'm not gonna deny I it's hard to deny, especially with Joel's rough start that Jokic is having the better season. I'm not stupid, Chris. I, yeah. I realize Jokic is having the better season. So Denver um, on the top tier, tier mm-hmm. two would be Philly Phoenix. I think Miami, Atlanta, and Utah are kind of in that tier three. And then, yeah, like, look, the Pacers and the Timberwolves stink. So. Uh, it's not really their fault. Cat is awesome. Sabonis and Brogdon are awesome. Delo cool, is hit or miss. Yeah. There's a reason those teams aren't very good. They're just not on the same level. Yeah. You know, and the thing is that drives me nuts is that, Chris, let's be real. If Murray wasn't on the Nuggets, would he be a point guard? He probably would be a shooting guard, right? I mean, he's going to be handling the ball probably wherever he goes at this point. It's like I mean, I, I'm just saying, like re- early on in his career, I thought of him as a shooting guard or combo guard. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, sure, but it like Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell should be a point, point guard. I don't know why he's not the point guard. It, it's like again, it's like what is a point guard in a shooting? It it really the labels are antiquated at this point and they don't yeah. matter like like Derek fisher was the point guard of the lakers but kobe ran the show yeah like if it's mitchell and gobert they're probably ahead of philly if we just want to like switch it to that so it it it's however you want to slice it but yeah um yeah letter of the law there but yeah no i get what you're saying All right, so we're going to look at the the top five uh, candidates for MVP according to NBA.com. Number one. Oh, okay, hang on. My page isn't loading. Chris, do you mind going over the top five? My page isn't didn't load correctly. Sure. So this is the list from Michael C. Ray at NBA.com. Number one right now at this very moment, he has somewhat surprisingly, I think, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, he has Kevin Durant at number two, Steph Curry at number three, Nikola Jokic at number four, Rudy Gobert at number five, Chris Paul at six, James Harden at seven, DeMar DeRozan at eight, Joel Embiid at nine, and Zach Levine at ten. So those are the ten on NBA.com right now. I have a problem with number five. He shouldn't be on do. the list of at all. Of course you do. Oh, 
come on. Utah's one of the three best teams in the league. And don't I, I, I said what I said. Well, I mean, it's well documented on this podcast. That the Donovan Mitchell should be should be in the MVP, not not Rudy Gobert. Well, that you guys are wrong, and that's acceptable. I get it. A lot of people are, but I don't You're have right, any problem. Back me up on this Look, one. MVP, MVP, top MVP. Five. Come top on, five. I could get top ten. I could. You know what? I would give you top ten. I give him top. top I give him top five. fifteen. Top fifteen. He okay. Give him another defensive player of the year award. There's no way he's. Above Joel and B for MVP. Okay, but okay, let's think about this. We've all agreed that it should probably be Draymond Green winning Defensive Player of the Year. So if Draymond Green deserves oh, to win Defensive Player no, no, of the no. Year, I have not agreed to that. I have, I have said that he probably will. I, my pick is still Rudy. But that's nah. that's just me. Anyways, I, I, I think the Mar DeRozan should be higher up on that list than Rudy. To be honest. What I don't get is having Draymond number one on your defensive ladder and then putting Gobert top five at MVP and not Draymond. I get that Steph's there, but how is Rudy five in the MVP race and two in defensive? I don't think that really lines up. Yeah, that 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 does not line up. You are correct there. Um, which is why Rudy should be number one on the no, defensive ladder. No. All right, just give me your five, Lucas. Just My five, five for MVP right now? If I have to give it, I'd probably have Steph number one, KD two, Jokic three, Giannis four, and then five. Let chaos reign. I'll let I'll have Demar Derozan number five. Okay, I I think that's totally fair and reasonable. Um, I'm gonna put Steph at number one as well. I'd put Jokic number two and Durant at three. Um, I can get I that. Have to, I have to stay on brand. Um. Giannis at four seems absurd because Giannis is like having another great season and he's Giannis, but there's like a lot of really good players in the NBA this year. Voter fatigue is a thing too. Five is tricky. I I think Gobert has a really strong case. I think Demar has a really strong case, and I think Joel's case is maybe stronger than people think it is. Oh, um, it's st- it's starting to pick up now. It's starting to pick up. Give it another two weeks, he'd be in the top five. It certainly is. I feel like Jimmy should probably be in the top ten. Uh, Jimmy, um, Jimmy's been out with injury for a while. I know he has, but like he'll at least get there. I, I think LeBron has a pretty strong top ten case, even though the Lakers are total um a bit of a mess right now. Um, I mean so are the so are the Nuggets. We have we each have uh Jokic on our top three. So yeah. So yeah, well, anyways, um, I think John Moran has a case. A lot of people have a case. My number five, you know, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to agree with it being Gobert. I, no. I think he has a strong case. I he, He's the best player on one of the best teams. I, I think Utah has a real chance to win. Hold up, hold year. up. Did you just say he's better than Donovan Mitchell? He is. I, that's been the case since the beginning of time he's the best player on the utah jazz it's donovan is great and donovan has the flashier stat lines because he's scoring 30 points a night but the heart of that team is still rudy gobert he's let me let me ask you this when joakim noah was in that mvp conversation where did you have him ranked that year i don't i didn't have rankings back when it was joakim noah i i could not tell you i because you, if you're giving Gobert this much love, you 
you better have given Joakim Noah love because I didn't know nearly enough to have any opinion back then. But <sighs> I Rudy Gobert is a truly special player. I don't think you guys give him. He's a lead at like three different things. Sure, but he's the best in the world at those three things, and it completely changes how offensive op- offenses operate. He like. Like just hearing the Minnesota players talk about why they couldn't make any shots for some reason around the room. It's like clearly Gobert is just a special, special player. Um, like, like the Utah's a really good team. Utah's one of the three, like Golden State, Phoenix, and Utah have been pretty far and away the three best teams in the NBA this year. Brooklyn's going to be there at the end because they're Brooklyn, but like on a consistent performance level, those are the three best teams. Utah's like statistically right on track with Golden State and Phoenix. And Gobert's there, the heart of that team. I, I think he deserves a spot, if not at number five, at least in like six, seven. He's in the conversation, I think. I I, like the, the I, I will secede maybe nine or ten to you, but I cannot I cannot do it. I cannot I, go past nine or ten. I, I think DeMar and Chris Paul have really strong cases too. I, I don't want to take away from them. Um, I'd put like John Morant over Zach Levine, frankly, if we were like going to 10, I'm not, I, I mean, I okay, I, I can get that John Morant. Well, okay. He, the, the argument against that is that his team actually played better when he was out now. I mean, they've been really good all year. And like yeah. the Bulls are cool. I don't know if the Bulls need two top 10 MVP. Candidates. No, no, I think they need one. I think, I think DeMar being in there is more than fair. Um, I don't, mm. Yeah, I think I think in two weeks, guys, two weeks, two to three weeks, Joel's gonna be in the top five if he keeps up these these type of thirty and ten performances. Um, I think it's possible. Um Uriah, who do you what about you? What do you who do you have in the top five? I go Giannis. No, I don't go Giannis. I go Steph Curry first, Durant second. Uh, Giannis third, Jokic fourth, and uh, who else? Who else? I go, um, Rudy Gobert fifth. What? No, you're funny. You're funny. Joke. No way. No way on God's green earth that that guy is. There's no way on God's green earth that Rudy Gobert should even be in the top 10 of MVP. That's just my opinion. I do agree that Donovan Mitchell is a better and more important player to that team. Uh, but in terms of the fifth spot, maybe I'll go DeRozan. I think what he's doing, hitting these game winners back-to-back nights, is, is pretty special. And they do have the best record in the league right now, and they're even better than Brooklyn at this time. Yeah. Chris, you're out, you're, you've are out. been outvoted. Gobert is not a top uh, five MVP candidate. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to, like, complain about DeRozan. Um, Chicago is number one in the East right now, so I, I get it. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I really don't understand why people are still not quite there on Jokic just being, like, maybe the best player in the NBA. He's certainly the I have him top three. I know. And, like, again, there are, like, I, four, I... there are four players right now with really, like, truly credible MVP cases. It's pretty absurd. And like Jokic at number three, I get it. At four, okay, but like 
Denver being 18 and 16 is pretty absurd given where that roster and every team has COVID issues right now, but Denver has like COVID issues and injury issues. And it's like pretty rough over there. And Yoko just kind of bare knuckling them through a pretty tough stretch. I mean, there's no denying it, Chris. But and he's like just not I, and I'm not, and that's why I have him top three. That's why I have him top three. But the record does matter at the end of the day. That's why Steph didn't get it last year. Because let's be real, if Steph actually had a winning team, he would have been MVP easily. It wouldn't have been Jokic. It wouldn't have been Joel. Wouldn't have been second. It would have been Steph's by a mile. So I as mean, much I as know. I can acknowledge that Jokic is having a great year. I hate admitting it, but I can admit that he's by far the best offensive player, and his defense has caught up on some level. He's actually, I would say, an average, if not slightly above average defender now, which you know for me is very hard to admit. But at the end of the day, he's the record matters in these votings. Yeah, no, I mean, that's why he's that's why Steph's my number one. But yeah. Like, I, I, I truly think there's an argument to say that Jokic is just flat out on the same level as Kevin Durant and Steph and Giannis and those guys. I, 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 I'm I not arguing it. I, I think it's like 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D. Like, Jokic is on that level. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think enough people are there yet. So yeah. And, keep... and I'll say this. If Joel stays healthy... He can get to that one F level, whatever that, whatever, however many levels we have. I think Joel can get to that level. I agree. I, I think, I don't know. I, and I, mean, like, I think I it's also that. fair to note that Joel has got become a much better passer this season. And while like he's never going to be Jokic in terms of a passer, he's averaging close to what? Five assists a game. Yeah. Like no one is Jokic. As a passer. It's like Jokic and Chris Paul and then everyone else. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Not even LeBron James is on that level right now. Yeah, like Trey and Lamelo are gonna get there, but it's it's Chris Paul and Jokic. They're just smarter than everyone. And LeBron, those three. Well, I I would even say LeBron's a tier down below those two in terms of like. Yeah, at least this season. It's it's pretty absurd watching him play. Jokic is just processes things in a different way, and he's seven feet tall, so he can see the whole floor in a way. Chris Paul can't. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah. yeah I, that's well, I, I think get in my Jokic praise. Whenever. Okay. Uh, well, I hope you're happy to hear me say what I said about Jokic, but I think it's time for uh, on that note, I think it's time for us to wrap up the pod here. Um, it is. So this is our first podcast of 2022. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, we are very excited to bring you another year of podcast, another year of Sixers discussion, we'll see how this team pans out. There's still a lot up in the air. We have a few more games over the next couple of weeks, a very strange schedule, but we'll be around to talk about whatever's happening. We'll be here to break down the Ben Simmons trade that I'm speaking into existence. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Please like subscribe, follow along if you can on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google play, or wherever you can find our podcast. We'll, we'll talk to y'all soon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.